and welcome back. So the notices for today are, uh, first of all, a date for your diary. So on the second Tuesday of every month, we have a prayer meeting. So the next one is the 14th of July at 8pm. Also, we had a family meeting last Thursday. And if you weren't able to be there, there's a chance to catch up on the recording and we will be sending out a link shortly. So in a moment, Ian's going to be speaking to us. But first, we're going to watch a video from Anna Graham, who is the chaplain at Trinity School in Sevenoaks. Hello, my name's Anna Graham and I'm Trinity School's chaplain. Many of you will know that Trinity School is sponsored by 30 local churches, of which you are one, and we are so thankful for your prayerful partnership. I just want to share with you this morning a few of the issues and challenges which school is facing as a result of lockdown, um, but more importantly, how we're responding. Our senior leadership team have had to respond and react to ever-changing government guidelines, but it's been nothing but admirable for me to see how all the staff have pulled together to deliver quality online distance learning for over 900 of our students at this time. And over 100 students returned to school this week to have live classroom lessons, which was great. There are three things that I want to talk to you about this morning. First is pastoral care, the second is practical care, and the third is prayerful care for our students. So if we consider pastoral care, how our students are responding in lockdown is very different. Many of them are thriving in lockdown. They've um, discovered new skills, they've rediscovered old ones. But for others, I know this has been a really, really challenging time. They're missing their friends, they are experiencing increased levels of anxiety. Many of our students have lost loved ones and many families are facing financial strain. This actually helps me talk about the second point, which is the practical care that we've put in place. Very soon after lockdown began, Trinity School opened a food bank to serve our school families. And this is open each Tuesday. And if you wanted to donate item, it's open from nine till 12. It's managed by Helen Reed, our assistant chaplain and a wonderful team of volunteers. But not only are we providing physical food for many of our families, we provide weekly spiritual food for all our students through our online acts of worship. And it's really important at this time that we share the love and the hope of our Lord Jesus Christ in this time of pandemic. And so finally, and this is your part that I'd love you to join with me in, it's our prayerful care for our students. Please can you pray for all our students who are working from home. Please pray over their studies. Please pray over their mental health. Please pray for them to just to keep on staying motivated. Continue to pray for our, students, uh, our senior leadership team as they plan and manage school openings from September, whatever that might look like. And above all, please pray that the word of God would go out in power to give hope to all our students and families at this time. May God bless you all. Thank you for your time. Hello and welcome to Hope Church Online. My name is Ian. I'm one of the elders at Hope Church, Seven Oaks. Um, I'm married to Gemma. We've got three amazing children, Elijah, Eden and Nancy. We've been part of the Hope Church family now for three years. We're just excited to be part of all that God is doing here in Sevenoaks. He is still moving and working even in the midst of this pandemic and uh, just excited to share God's word with you this morning and today. Don't forget if you're watching this live from 10.30 on Sunday you can join us for the after church chat. That's at 11.15. You'll have been sent a Zoom link 
uh, if you uh, get the church emails. It'd be great to see you there and we can catch up with one another, pray together and just see how everyone is doing. So today we are continuing in our series in Luke and today we're looking at Luke 12 verses 49 to 59. We're in the middle of a, a large section where Jesus is teaching and there are lots of things to come. There's this face-off with Israel where he's warning them to repent. We've heard recently about Jesus warning people not to fear, uh, to acknowledge him before men, that we shouldn't be anxious, worrying about our daily provisions, to trust him and to store our treasures in heaven by serving him and not trusting in and storing our earthly things. Uh, last time, Jesus' instruction was to be expectant. That was to live with the expectancy that we, he will indeed one day return, being faithful to God in the meantime. Uh, we are to live, we, we talked about living with one eye on eternity, that we're not made to be here forever, but we are made for an eternal home. And this next section that we look at leads us well into chapter 13, and Jesus is talking of the coming kingdom, that many will reject it, but it will still come. God's plan is so grand that nothing can stop it, even substantial rejection, which happens as he moves towards Jerusalem. He's just warned the disciples to prepare for his return, but now Jesus is focusing on his present earthly ministry. So if you have a Bible, why don't you grab one and read along? And Hannah is going to read for us today our verses. Over to you, Hannah. Luke chapter 12, verses 49 to 59. I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptised with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I've come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on, in one house there will be five divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, A shower is coming, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say there will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? And why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and the officer put you in prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the very last penny. Thanks, Hannah. Really interesting, gripping verses. Again, let's dig in and see what they mean. Jesus is now expressing his desire to complete the ministry that he was sent to perform. He, on the surface, if we, like the last few verses we looked at, if we skim read it, it can seem harsh or strange and could be difficult to understand. However, I think if we seek to understand it, I believe God will speak to us through these verses and even right into our situations now, whatever they might be. Jesus starts with these two, in these first two verses, with some confrontational language. 
verse 49, he says, I came to cast fire on earth, and would it that it were already kindled, kindled, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. What does it mean to cast fire on earth? Often in biblical language, uh, it refers, fire refers to judgment or the Holy Spirit. Here, though, Jesus is referring to judgment, not the Holy Spirit, that the disciples will receive after his resurrection. His presence now is the start of a coming kingdom. And the fire, God's judgment, is what will happen when he comes again and the kingdom will be fully inaugurated. In verse 49, he's saying, I wish it was already happening. But, however, he's saying, I've got to have a baptism to be baptised with. I've got to do this first. So he starts by talking about fire. And we can think, but back in Luke 9, he kind of rejected the Elijah approach. But the second sentence makes sense of the first, if we look at it more deeply. He's already been baptised with water, so he's clearly talking about something else. I've come to bring fire. How constrained I am, it says some in other, verses, other versions, until it's completed. I've come to undergo a baptism. I'm crushed until it's over. So, so talking of fire, why didn't fire come down on the Samaritans in Luke 9 or later on the soldiers? Because the fire came down on him because he was baptised. He was the one immersed in the judgment of God. He got what we deserve. And this is the answer to all the riddles. Looking back at the Old Testament, you'll see that when people wanted to atone for their sins and be forgiven, they put a sacrifice on the altar and it burnt with fire. And there's something that intuitively in us says that can't be enough to put away our sins. And that is right because all of those fires were pointing to this fire. It didn't come down on the Samaritans or the soldiers because it came down on Christ. Jesus, he came to take it. He came to bear it. Luke 9.22 says, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected on the third day and be raised to life. They rejected him. But shouldn't they be rejected? But he's rejected for them. The Son of Man came to be rejected, to be killed. And this is the secret to the change of life, to change of identity. You have to be melted and amazed and astounded that he took the fire, the punishment for you. And that is the key to everything else. That is the key to understanding the next part as well in these verses, when Jesus starts talking about division. In verse 51, he says, that he has come to, do you think I've come to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, rather division. From now on, in one house there will be five divided, three against two, two against three, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, mother-in-law against a daughter-in-law, and it goes on. Jesus is reflecting here what is said in Micah 7, verse 5, and the key to understanding this is full-blooded, undivided devotion to the one who took the fire for us. 
It's quite shocking, really, that Jesus says this at first. Division. What do you mean, Jesus? We, of course, must always read this in context. We must put the proper boundaries around what he's saying by remembering what he says elsewhere. He also said, for example, blessed are the peacemakers. So we don't only hear, I didn't come to bring peace and then say, right, I'm going to go and start a fight. I'm going to go and make war. No, we remember that Jesus also said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Matthew 5 verse 9. But also, doesn't this contradict what we've already seen in Luke? The angel said in Luke 2 verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace amongst those with whom he is pleased. Zechariah, even earlier in Luke 179, prophesied that Jesus would give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death give to guide our feet in the way of peace. Peace, though, is not an all-defining mark of his ministry. In other words, those who elevate peace to the all-defining mark, as if to say there's nothing that can be done if it doesn't make peace, will go far from this text. There will be peace and unity, but not at all costs. That's what we're learning from this text. And division really comes, strife is inevitable when the gospel is fully preached. It brings conviction, it brings disarray, it brings offence, it brings confusion and family division. Responding to God's offer will create division because not all will accept it. We often get stuck with people thinking, you know, I really want to think this through, which is good because that's what we try to do in Alpha. We help people really think this through grapple with questions but sometimes it comes down to what it says in John 3 19 that this judgment the light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil people reject the message of Jesus one because it's offensive because it means you have to answer to a holy God and there's a debt to pay and you cannot earn your way to eternal life by being good. And two, it means that they're worried because they think they'll have to change the way they live their lives. That was true for me. I got to a point where I knew that this was true. I knew Jesus was real. I knew that he died on the cross. I looked at the evidence, but I just didn't want to make the change. But when I did, it was so worth it. And the time a decision comes and it will create a divided response, not only in Israel, this is who is Jesus' audience here, but in the most basic of society, the family unit, which will be pulled apart. And if you fully understand the fire, the baptism that was to come for Jesus, that he indeed went and endured fully, that you must fully devote yourself to him and his kingdom above everything else. In other words, Jesus enters the earth, enters the world, and he lays a claim now as king from another kingdom on every human heart. He says, I am worthy of greater affection, greater love, greater allegiance than any member of your family. If all the family members respond to Jesus this way, then you've got peace. But if they don't, if there is anger because Jesus has become more important than family bonds and family affections that cuts right through relationship 
And I'm sure as Christians, we have all tasted this in some way. People that I had known all my life suddenly didn't understand me anymore when I became a Christian. It may be painful, but what you receive is so worth it in exchange. In Matthew 10, he refers to this and he uses the imagery of a sword cutting through and it takes it even further. In Matthew 10, verse 37 to 39, it says, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He's saying, you've got to love me more. To absolute following of Jesus, he says, now, whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. So the family not only does not have supreme affection, it does not have supreme authority either. The disciple who loves Jesus above the idol of the family, the disciple is the one who follows Jesus before the authority of mother and father. That is what the disciple is. This means he comes into the world as supreme beauty, supreme joy and supreme value of the universe. And he comes in with supreme authority and therefore he claims in every family, every business, every school, every church, every political party, every nation, a superior allegiance, a superior love. And so with that sword of supremacy, he cuts every affection Every allegiance to family or business or school or church or political party or nation which would compete with him for supreme place in our hearts. He's saying, I am worthy. I am more worthy of all of those things. Put me first. And when you do, it will cause division. But ultimately, I am the one who will bring you joy. I am the one who will bring you peace. That's what it means when division will come. So much in that first bit as well. And then we move on to these verses in verse 54 to 57. He says this, he said, Also to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, a shower is coming. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, and why do you not know how to interpret the present time? So, having warned about division, he turns to rebuke, turns to a rebuke to the crowds who he continues to address in chapter 13 about their inability to judge what is right in front of them. He uses simple illustrations: the weather. We all love talking about the weather. But the people of the time as well were very adept at reading the weather or reading earth and sky, as Jesus put it. There's lots of interesting facts uh, of how they would do that. So if a cloud rose from the west, uh, it would mean moisture coming in from the Mediterranean Sea and that it would rain and lots of other ways that they could read it. But they were blind to see the Messiah who was promised from long ago, who is right in front of them of how the kingdom is here now with the arrival of Jesus on earth. 
See, they were either blind or unwilling to accept what is in front of them. They're missing their moment of salvation now, which is right in front of them. They can judge the clouds in the sky, but they can't see how cloudy their future is if they do not recognise this time of visitation. Or even, what is on the horizon? The horizon of the fire that Jesus referred to. It goes on in verse 57 and gives warning through a parable, theological language, a parabolic warning to the crowd. Verse 57 says this, uh, and why do you not judge for yourselves what is right as you go with your accuser before the magistrate? Make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer and the officer put you in prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the very last penny. Which is saying, you would try and settle before going to court against an accuser if the decision in court goes against you and the consequences are dire. It means you'll be imprisoned for your debt until it is paid. Any person with any sense would say, okay, I'll try and settle this before it gets to that stage. Jesus is saying here, there's a judgment that is coming. There's a debt to pay and we must try and settle now before it's too late. Settle now with the one who went through the baptism of fire for us. See, until you are melted by this amazing sight, this knowledge of the sense of Jesus taking the fire for you, you cannot have that transformation of life. You cannot have that transformation of identity. You can't just decide you think, I'm going to change my identity, I'm going to change my life. It can't be done, it has to be an experience of love, it has to be a revelation of God. Jesus is saying, your career can't buy it for you, even the best parents can't give it to you. Don't give the title deed of your heart to anyone but me. Don't have any other master but me, because I'm the only one that will never leave you. And if you fail me, we'll forgive you. So don't wait don't think it through for too long jesus is standing at the door of your life and knocking and asking to come in he has paid the price for you he took the fire of judgment so you don't have to he died on the cross so that you could have eternal life there will be a time when it is too late when you die or when jesus returns that is why this message is so important. This is why this message is life-changing and amazing. It is exclusive, but inclusive. It is dividing, but it unites you with the creator. Abandon your life for an abundant life. Ask Jesus to forgive you. Thank him for the fire, the cross. Ask him to, to fill you with the Holy Spirit. What are you worried about? What are you worried about losing? What have you been divided from in this pandemic season? What are you suffering loss of right now? Jesus promises that whatever you are divided from, whether it's family or job or relationships or money, whatever it is, he promises that he is worth it, that he is unchanging. He is true. Even if you follow him or, or you will follow him, it will come at a cost. It is so worth it because Jesus says in Matthew 10, whoever finds his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it you will truly find life in him if you abandon your life for an abundant life there is so much going on right now with pandemic with 
rules changing constantly. We don't know where we're at. We don't know what the future holds economically, but we know that there's one unchanging. We might be divided from some things, but you can come to him. He will give you life and life in all its fullness. It's good news. He loves you. He wants to draw near to you. He says, give all of your devotion to me. There will be difficulty, but it will be worth more than anything else you can experience on this life. Lay up your treasures in heaven, not on earth. All of these things will soon pass away. This pandemic will pass away eventually. Life seems very up and down, but the one constant unchanging truth is Jesus Christ and this relationship with him that he wants with you. Have you wobbled recently? Do you not know his closeness? Come near to him. He parts through the fire for you. Only in him will you know peace in difficult times. This is not stoicism that I'm talking about, but an inner peace. Come to him. If you are not a Christian and you want to know this Jesus, you want to know this peace, then you can just come to him. You can do those things that I said, just say those words. Ask Jesus to forgive you because up until now you have turned your back on him. Say, Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for turning my back on you. Thank him for the fire, the cross that he took. He took our judgment. He took our debt that we needed to settle before we were dragged off to the magistrate. He took that debt for us. And then ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray right now. And you can just pray this in the quietness of your heart or out loud if you want to. Just say, Jesus, thank you that you died for me on the cross. And I'm sorry that I've turned my back on you. Now please come and take first place in my life. And if you are feeling stressed and worried by him, if you're feeling divided and separated from things that were bringing you comfort, come to him right now. Ask him to fill you again with your, his Holy Spirit and he will bring you peace. I pray that, Lord, for anyone that might be watching today, will you come and bring them peace right now? I pray that they will see that you are ultimately worth following above every other life commitment, any other family. Come to him. He will bring you peace for eternity. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, thanks for joining us today. As I said, there will be the Zoom um, meeting after church today at 11.15 on Sunday. If you're watching this live, I'd love to see you there. Thanks for watching. Uh, keep following us on social media and uh, keep an eye out for the emails for all the latest information about all that's going on uh, at Hope Church. Thank you.